hiding place. And what we're going to do, you should have, did everybody get one of these cards? So before you look at that card, <laughs> if I were to ask you the covenant names of God, could you tell me? And so my prayer for this series is that we get some knowledge because God is our hiding place, right? I mean, how many of you are busy? Busy? How many of you got, yeah, we, those of you who never participate in raising your hand, you're raising your hand right now, aren't you? How many of you have those days where you just feel like, wham, boom, bam, ooh, ah, ooh, mm. It starts at 4.30 a.m. and it's midnight and you're still responding to people in your life that need something from you. Right? And so we, we live in a, a crazy environment and as Christians, we have a hiding place. And his name's God. And there are covenant names of God in the Bible that he gives to us to help us in certain things that we may be going through in our life at that time. So Psalms 91, 911, verse 1 and 2. Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. So let's talk about the covenant names of God. And so if you think about a hiding place, it's awesome, isn't it? Isn't this cool? I pitched this idea. Port Nathan, our missions pastor, is very handy. And I said, hey, could you build a fort? And I want it to look like the little rascals built it. And he looked at me and said, well, then you should build it. <laughs> Awesome, isn't it? So this is going to be on the stage for the next seven or eight or however many weeks. And so did you have, when you, when you were a kid, did you ever build a fort or have like a hiding place? Mom and Deb are arguing and you had that place maybe that you would go to to like get away. Um, you know, it, it, it's, it was like cool. And you and your buddies would, would uh, okay, everybody take a picture at the same time, all right? Just, <laughs> You're blinding me. <laughs> but but the idea of having having a place that you could you could call your own, and the idea of having a place where you know you just felt protected, and and you kind of get away and and we'll have we'll have some fun with this you know and, and and the different covenant names of God, but the idea is God is our hiding place. He is. And if he's not your hiding place, you're hiding somewhere you shouldn't be hiding. Because we all have to have a hiding place. Isn't that true? And, and, and when we get in trouble is when we get weary and we go and we hide in addiction or we hide in an ungodly relationship or we hide uh, in, in just zoning out instead of daily hiding in God. And the way that we hide in God is we understand who God is in our lives. And one of the ways we do that is by looking at the covenant names of God, of, of how He allows us to hide in Him. And, and so we'll go throughout all the covenant names of God, and I want you to remember this, that Jesus Christ embodies every covenant name of God. God became flesh and dwelt among us. And so 
in Jesus Christ, in our Savior, we find all of these covenant names. That's why God finally said, look, these humans, they can't get it right, so I'm going to have to get it right for them. And he sent Jesus to die for us. So, let's talk about the covenant names of God. Now, covenant defined is this. A contract in the Bible, an agreement between God and his people in which God makes promises to his people. So let's learn something over the next few weeks. First of all, let's learn how to get out of this. A slide would be nice. Let's do that. I'm not, I'm not kidding at all. We should put it, we're going to put a slide on this. By the way, the decorations are from Silas's little boy, uh, Anthony's little boy, Silas. He's five. He did all this. See his name right here? Yeah. Yeah. And he don't even know about the He, Man, he Woman Haters Club or He Man Haters Women's Club. I can't remember. Who knows? Okay. A contract in the Bible, an agreement between God and His people in which God makes promises to His people. I don't care how long you've been walking with the Lord or how long, how much you think you know about God. All of us are tempted to forget that God is a covenant God and He has put, he has put by His Holy Spirit in our life things about Him that we can take advantage of. And how many days of our life do we go without taking advantage of that covenant? I'm so guilty of that. Whining, worrying, saying what if. You know, going through all the, and then all of a sudden I remember how good God is. And I'm like, oh, stink. I, I just messed this whole day up because I forgot how great God is. So, it, it, remember the definition of covenant. Now, let's get into the first covenant name, Jehovah Sid Canoe. So, say Sid. And then think canoe. Now you got it. You can, you can impress all your friends. I know how to speak that kind of language. Jehovah said canoe. Jehovah. Jehovah, I was, I am, and I am to come. Jehovah. Yahweh. The I am. So when you think about Jehovah, think about I am. So I am God, your righteousness. And so Jeremiah, I believe it's 23, 6, says, In his days Judah will be saved and Israel will live in safety. This is the name by which he will be called the Lord, our righteous Savior. Let's dig into this. Righteousness defined, free from guilt or sin. That's that's the meaning of righteousness. And the word righteous, to be made right. So to be made right in the eyes of God, we had to be freed from guilt and sin. And so even though we know we sin daily, what Jesus did for us frees us from that. And so God, He he is our righteousness. And so when I blow it, I can hide in that righteousness. It doesn't give me the ability to just keep doing what I'm doing habitually because that will run my life. And it'll put a barrier between me and God. But on those days when I try to get it right and I don't, I hide in that. It's my hiding place. And so, so you think about Jehovah Sid canoe. Say it again. It's just fun to say. Yeah. Sid's got a canoe. That's how I remember it. Jehovah Sid canoe. My, my righteousness. So let's get into this. We'll talk about four things today 
about righteousness. We are, we are in need of the righteousness of God. Would you agree? So, so this idea of being in need of righteousness and having a hiding place that I can hide because I am human and I sin. Romans 6.23 spells this out for me. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So I'm dead in my sin, right? Yet I'm alive in Christ. Because Christ embodies all of these covenant names and what he did for me on the cross. It's pretty basic. It may bore some of you, but just stick with me, okay? If this bores you, you're in bad shape. Because that means you don't sin. If you don't sin, you don't need God's righteousness. And if you don't need God's righteousness, then you're really sinning. Did you follow that? Okay, good. Let's look at this next passage right here. Romans 5, 17 through 19. For if by the trespass of one man, death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? Consequently, just as one trespass resulted in condemnation for all people. Now, who did that? Why does nobody ever say Eve? <laughs> What's up with that? They were both in on the apple. Okay? Just saying. So also one righteous act resulted in justification and life for all people. Someone else did something that made us a sinner? That was Adam and Eve. Someone else did something that made us righteous, and that was Jesus Christ. We'll get into the gift aspect here in, in a moment. But, but think about this just, just for a moment. We're all in need of the righteousness of God. And when we, when we don't really believe that in our own heart, we become our own God. And we become that person that says, I'm good. I'm a good person. I do good things. I serve turkey on Thanksgiving to homeless people. Because again, that's the only day they're hungry. I, you know, I go to church on Easter and Christmas. I'm, I, I, I'm a good person. I'm nice to my coworkers. I'm, I'm, I'm a good person. And we convince ourselves that being a good person is going to please God. When if you read the Bible, the only thing that appe could appease God or please God was Jesus Christ dying on the cross and giving his life for our sins. Therefore, through faith in Jesus, now we please God. On our best day, we're not good enough. On our worst day, we're not bad enough. It's all about God so up here. It's all about what, how much God loved us, and he loved us so much he gave his only son. So we're all in need of God's righteousness. We are. And, and if you're sitting there going, you know what? I've been attending church for 20 years, and I tithe, and I, I'm, I'm still married, and I'm this or I'm that. You just go ahead and pump yourself up. Pump yourself up, and one day... There's going to be this little meal that comes along and deflates you. None of us are good enough. Doesn't give us a license to be bad enough. None of us are good enough. We're all in need of God's righteousness. If you've never been to Coastline before, welcome. We're very real people here. And we know we're all sinners. But we, we know that, that God's made a way because we're in need of God's righteousness. Next thing. Righteousness is found in faith. 
Romans 5, 1, 1 through 3. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God. Stop right here, Larry. Through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, since we have been justified, we've been made righteous through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So my hiding place is my relationship with Jesus. I am going to fall. I am so sure to beat the band. So I'm hiding in Jesus. When life, I, I got um, several people in my life that I text throughout the day, or I try to, but it's probably more like once a week because we're all busy. But I'll send a text out, hey, prayed for you this morning. I might get a text back saying, uh, wacky stuff going on. And, and then, you know, we always remind each other, God's got it. God's got it. Like, just, just hang on. God's got it. I know it's crazy. I know it's nutty. It's busy, but God's got it. And so every day of my life, I can find righteousness, the righteousness of God in my life through hiding out in Jesus. Because that, that's what, therefore, since we've been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So I'm now at peace with God through what Jesus Christ did for me. Don't glaze over this because this is good stuff. If, if, you're, if you're trying to minister to somebody in your life and, and, and introduce them to a relationship with Jesus, Romans 5 is an awesome chapter. So how, how am I at peace with God? I'm at peace with God because I've hidden in Jesus. We just sang the song, I'll Cling to the Old Rugged Cross. I love that song. I start crying during that song. And, and, and the whole idea is that, that's, and we'll, we'll get to that in a minute, but, but I'm hiding and I have peace with God through what Jesus Christ did. Look at verse 2 and 3. Through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand, and we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our suffering because we know that suffering produces perseverance. And we don't have the last two scriptures, but perseverance produces character. Character produces hope. And hope does not uh, disappoint because it's been shed abroad in the hearts of God's people by the Holy Spirit. So if you're going through a hard time in your life right now, a great hiding place, instead of fighting and tolling and worrying, a great hiding place is Jesus Christ. And if you're here today, you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, then you don't have a hiding place. And back to the original point, maybe you're trying to hide in things of this world. And God would say to you today, look, I love you so much. And I made a way through sending my only son to die for you. Why don't you hide in that? So, so here, think about this just for a second. So righteousness is, is found in Jesus. And so let's keep going. Look at the screen in case I fall. It's blazing up there. It's so hot. The 11, 11.30 service is going to be like, <laughs> Ephesians 2, 8, 9, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. So this idea of righteousness. So that's why one of the covenant names of God is God my righteousness. Because even in the Old Testament, he was, he is, he is to come. He knew he was going to have to come up with something. That, that, and so the prophet Jeremiah says he's going to be called God our righteousness. God did that for us. 
I hope you're taking notes or I hope you get online this week and get the PowerPoint. Because what an, or take one of these cards with you. Put it somewhere where you can pray every day because you should be praying these, these covenant names of God over your life and over your family. Jehovah, I am. I am your righteousness. The next thing. Jehovah said, Canoe, God, my righteousness. Righteousness was birthed at the cross. Matthew 27, 51 says this. At that moment, and this is talking about when Jesus said, it is finished. At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook and the rocks split. Have you ever thought about this just for a second? And, and you know, if, if you're not a student of the Bible, or maybe you've never read the whole Bible, I would encourage you to read it. Don't let somebody else tell you what it says, but read it. But do you understand that the, one of the Gospels records what happens when Jesus died? People started getting up and walking. They were dead, and they started getting up walking around. Rocks were splitting apart. Storms were happening. And I've often thought, the Bible doesn't say this, but Phil Yancey wrote, uh, writes incredible books. And one of his books, he said, I, and he had this assumption Creation's creator just died. Everything we know was created through him in him. He was in the beginning. The word was with him and he was the word. So think about just for a second, this rock over here, because the Bible says if you don't praise him, the rocks are going to cry out and praise him. So obviously they have the ability to do that. This so is looking, going, oh my goodness, he just died. Our creator just died. And when this happened, the veil in the temple, the curtain, as the NIV calls it, the the New King James or the King James calls it the veil of the temple, was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth, earth shook and rocks split. So basically you're having an earthquake. Now, you can just read this and go, oh, what's the big deal? A curtain split. Well, this curtain was made of many, 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 many different layers of fabric. And it was put together. If you go back and you, you read in Deuteronomy and Leviticus where, where you know, it talks about the temple being built. And it, it was said that you could hook 24 teams of horses up and you could not rip this veil. That's what historians say. That's how thick it was. And that veil represented sin being separated. Come on, learn something. Don't lose me. Sin being separated from the holiness of God. Because in the temple, there was the holy of holies. Right? And so, humanity was separated from God. So the next time you feel really good about yourself are really bad about yourself. Remember this. Your righteousness, through putting your faith in Jesus Christ, was birthed at the cross. Because the job of the cross was to put you and I, humanity, back at peace with God. And so when Jesus said, it is finished, and he gave up his spirit, at that moment, isn't that awesome? Makes you want to cry, doesn't it? When you, really, when you really know the depravity of sin that maybe you've experienced in your life 
and then you experience the grace of God through the cross. You cannot talk about things like this without getting excited. I don't know how people make the cross boring and, and righteousness boring. At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn to We talked about it, and the earth shook, the rock split. And so the curtain being torn apart represented the fact that no longer did we have to be separate from God because we had a high priest that was tempted in every way we were, yet lived without sin, and he lived a perfect life, died on the cross for us. And when he died on the cross, the, the separation from humanity and God, the sin of humanity and the holiness of God was torn apart. And now we can approach the throne of grace with boldness and confidence. Good news. It's good news, man. I'm telling you. That's why they call the gospel good news. It's good news. It's, and it's a hiding place. It is a hiding place. So now I have access. I've got VIP access. Some of you got enough money and you know enough people. You go places and you get, on, you get in the green room, you get in the back room, you know, and you got a badge, you got a VIP. You say, I got this. We all have it in reference to God's presence. I don't know what you did last night. I don't know what you did last week. I don't know where your life has you right now, but I can tell you this. Jesus Christ has paid the price, and you have full access into the grace of God because you have been made right because he is God, our righteousness. 2 Corinthians 5.21, God made him who knew, knew no sin to be sin for us so that we could become the righteousness of God. So in my sin state, if I could paint, I would have done this today. I can't draw and I can't build things. I certainly can't paint. I mean, I could paint a flat wall, like with a roller. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about like a piece of artwork. But picture, picture this up here and... And picture this really nasty-looking, evil type of distorted face. Sin. And then in your mind, think, what if there was an artist that set back? Whew, I don't know where this came from. It's good. I do know where it came from. It came from the Lord, but I, I didn't think about saying this. Didn't put on. And think about an artist that set back and looked at that for 400 and something years. And thought, you know what? That's not really what I had in mind. That's not, that's not really what I, I had in mind. And let, let's just say God is that artist. And he's looking at us going, man, you guys are blowing this. You're really blowing it. Through sin. And then all of a sudden, he sends an artist who is the most creative artist ever, and says, I want you to go and I want you to make that picture beautiful again. I want you to take, I want you to take that evil, black-looking, dark, sinful image, and I want you to go in with radiant colors and light. And I want you to use that one color called forgiveness, the other one called sacrifice, and I want you to begin to, to, 
redo that portrait. That's what Jesus did. It's what God did for us. And that's what he did by sending us Jesus. Jesus came in and he took the nasty part of humanity called sin and he totally reworked it. And when he was done, he gave up his spirit and God said, well done, my good and faithful son, come here. And that's what God is going to be able to say to us because of what Jesus did for us. Because he is God, our righteousness. Wow. Man. And he deserves to be praised for it. And it should up us in our game to be people worthy of that sacrifice. Not perfect people, but reality like real people worthy of that sacrifice. Last thing. Righteousness is a gift that cannot be earned. John 3, 16, For God so loved the world, He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. It was like three weeks ago, we looked at this scripture, and we asked ourselves to read it like we had never read it before. Because, you know, everybody, well, John 3, 16, you know, it's at football games, da 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 it's incredible. Righteousness is a gift that cannot be earned. God gave us the gift of righteousness because He loves us. And here's one thing that religion will do to you. And when I say religion, I mean rules and regulations and allowing people to put things on you that the Bible doesn't talk about. Here's what religion will do to you. Religion will make you feel like you don't deserve the love of God. That's what religion does. Religion will make you feel so unworthy of the love of God because of things you've been through in your past and things you've done. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what religion does because it boxes you into a place where you can never be good enough. You can never be good enough. If any of you play golf, which I'm sure none of you do because most of my illustrations don't speak to any of you but <laughs> but I'm still here and you're here so let's just talk about golf for a second um, in golf there's a thing called a handicap a handicap and a handicap is, is you go out and play so many rounds of golf and, and whatever over par you are uh, on an average throughout that is that's your handicap so then you get to go out and play the next so however many rounds and if you hit that handicap, you can tell yourself that you scored par because that's your handicap. And as you play more and, you know, any of you have time to do that, and then you get better and better and better and better. And then you get to a place that's called a scratch golfer, which there's no handicap. There's no handicap. God, our righteousness, and what God did for us in sending Jesus brings us back to that place where there's no handicap. Religion always has a handicap because we can never be good enough. Does that make sense for at least two of you? Okay, good. good. I'll use surfing next week, okay? That, that's, that's what religion does. Religion always has a handicap. You'll never get to even par in religion, ever. You'll never be a scratch golfer if you live by rules and regulations because we're not good enough for people of sin. But God's righteousness comes in and just it, it just wipes out any rules and regulations and says, I love you so much. You're worthy of my love. 
I will never stop loving you. My, your, my love is agape love for you. And, and you, you need to receive it. And because when you receive it, then you need to live in it and walk in it and live a life that's worthy of that love. Even though I know you can't, Jason, is what he says. I want you to try. Perfect, perfect love. Wow. I, I just hope someone needs to hear that today. People have been telling you forever, you're not good enough and you'll never be good enough. And you know what? They're, they shouldn't tell you that in an angry way. But you know what? They're right. We'll never be good enough. But he was good enough. He was so good, he sent his only son to die for us. This last passage we'll look at right here. 1 Peter 2, 24. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds... You have been healed. Now here, here's where you got to draw the line. This is the part of today where you get to decide, do I really believe the Bible? Do I really believe that Jesus is the Savior of the world? Because if I really believe that, then I get to claim scriptures like this over my life. Through what Jesus did, I've been made righteous. And, and those wounds, my sins, my sins died on that cross. And my wounds, my emotional wounds, my, my rejection, those, that anger, those people who've done me wrong, which are large in part of my addiction in my life or the way I'm living my life or, or my inability to connect with other people all of that was taken away at the cross I don't have to live in that there's freedom at the cross it's a gift it is simply a gift salvation, grace, mercy love, God's grace it's a gift, you can't earn it and again some of us have been so whacked out through growing up in church it's so fun to meet someone who just got saved and never been in a church before because they're not messed up. You know what I'm talking about? And they actually start reading the Bible going, this is good stuff. But it's a gift. You can't earn it. You can't say enough. Whatever's, you can't give enough. You can't, it's a gift. If you were able to earn the righteousness of God, it, it would prove that the righteousness of God could be bought. And if the righteousness of God could be bought, then we would figure out a way to buy it. Turn that around. If the righteousness of humanity could be bought, God would figure out a way to buy it. And He did. And His name's Jesus. Man. Jehovah Sidkenu, God, my righteousness. So I get to live this week doing my very best, reading my Bible, praying, trying to be kind, trying to take, you know, keep all the plates spinning, which, you know what, quit whining because you're not the only one. But I can live this week knowing that I am at peace with God 
because of what Jesus Christ did for me because I put my faith in Jesus. I've been justified in the eyes of God through my faith in Jesus Christ. Therefore, I am at peace with God. Romans 5.1. Underline it, write it down. I'm at peace with God. And so, so this week, if I mess up, or if, even if I'm tempted to mess up, it's dirty. Even if I'm tempted to mess up, and I'm like, Lord, I feel really dirty today. I, I just don't feel like my thought patterns have been right. I don't, I don't feel like, and here's the thing. I get to go to God and be completely honest with Him because the veil was torn. And I can approach that throne of grace with boldness and confidence. And I can go and I can pray and I can talk and I can yell and I can hurt before God because Jesus Christ made a way for me to be back in the presence of God where I can approach that throne daily. It's beautiful. It's such a beautiful thing. And, and it's my prayer that as we look at the covenant names of God, that maybe some of that, I call it the residue of religion, will begin to fall away and come off. And you can find the adventure and the joy and the amazing thing of having a relationship with a God that loved you so much he sent his only son. Daily, every day, multiple times a day. It's beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful. Because... First Peter, Peter says in First Peter 2.24, we've been healed. We have access. We, there is, it's, it's done. We're healed. Maybe you're here today and you say, Jason, I've never experienced spiritual healing. I've never accepted Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. Maybe you say in your own heart, I don't really feel righteous in God's sight. I, I, don't, I don't feel that way. Well, it doesn't matter how you feel. What matters is, have you put your faith in what Jesus did at the cross? Have you put your faith in Jesus as the Messiah, as the Savior of the known world? Would you bow your heads all over this place? If that's you, you'd say, you know what? That's me. I've never put my faith in Jesus. I don't know that I'm saved. Romans 5 says that we're justified by our faith in Jesus. That's how we're justified. What's that mean, Jason? That means you simply take a moment from your heart and say, you know what? I'm confessing in my heart. I believe that Jesus Christ is, is the Messiah. I believe that he was born of a virgin. I believe that he lived a sinless life. I believe he took my death and sin on the cross. I believe they placed him in a grave, and I believe he rose from that grave on the third day. And he's coming back for me one day. That's faith. We've all been given a measure of faith, and only you can do what you can do with your faith. No one can do that for you. Maybe that's you. You say, I need a fresh start. I need a starting point. I need, I need some things to change in my life, and I'm ready to give God a chance. The way you do that is just confess in your heart. If that's you, and you say, that's me, Jason, would you just slip your hand up long enough for me to see it? Put it I see your hand. Just put it right, I see your hand. I see your hand. Just put it right back down. Anyone else? Say, I, I need that today. That's awesome. I'm going to pray with you. Just by virtue of you raising your hand, you're confessing in your heart right now. And remember, in Corinthians 5.21, where it says, He made him who knew no sin to become sin for us so that we could become the righteousness of God. 
right now. You're just you're His love and His grace and mercy flooding over you, and you're at peace with God right now. After we pray, would you go out to the tent and get a Bible and a devotion, meet somebody? If you're shy and not that kind of person where you don't want to interact, you can email us at startingpoint@thecoastlinechurch.com, and a pastor will email you and get you some information. But right now, right where you're sitting, would you? We just pray this prayer with me, Father. I love you. Thank you for loving me first. And right now, I'm confessing in my heart that I believe with all my heart that Jesus Christ was born of a virgin. That he lived a sinless life. I believe he took my death and sin on the cross. And today, I'm realizing that, and I'm taking advantage of that sacrifice. I believe they placed him in a grave, and I believe that he rose from that grave on the third day. So right now, God, I accept that free gift of salvation. And I thank you that your love and your grace and your mercy are going to carry me through this week, and that you're going to put me in, in contact with people of like faith and help me on this new journey. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, love you.